And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And uh, we have with us today Mark Seymour. He's from the UK, not too far from London. He's a professional photographer. He shoots weddings, but he loves street photography. He's also shot for National Geographic, and he's done a lot. He's done a lot in the field. Uh, he's an award-winning photographer. And like I said, he does. He loves street photography, and you can see elements of street photography in a lot of the work he does outside of just pure street. And uh, so anyway, he's, um, well, we'll get into all the stuff he does. I don't want to, I don't want to hog the uh, discussion. So Mark, welcome. Thank you for being with us today. And uh, it's great to have you. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for the, for, thanks for the invite, Bob. Um, you know, we're here today and um, I think we're just going to have a chat and let's see how it goes. Yes, we will. We'll just, have a conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about photography, something we all like, and we can talk about all day. So, yeah, I first, uh, I've seen Mark's work before, and then uh, he happened to send me a link to a video he did. He has a YouTube channel where he was doing, uh, uh, it was with his friend Flavio, right? Yep, that's right. Flavio, and then Flavio was, uh, they were evaluating some of Mark's photographs that i watched it it was really really informative and we wound up getting together sat here and talked for a long time and thought hey let's just let's do this for everybody else so we're we're gonna talk again i uh i did i, I learned a lot from you and i i appreciate it thank you but uh before we get into things why don't you tell us your background you know how you got into photography how you morphed into a street photographer and sure. you know just uh tell us about your journey it, this could actually be a whole episode, Bob. It's it's a, a very interesting <laughs> journey in itself. Um, I've been a photographer all my life. And when I say all my life, there's pictures of me at four years old with a box brownie. And uh, in fact, when I got divorced, I went to live back with mum and dad and mum was bringing these pictures out. And one of them was me with a box brownie standing next to the wedding photographer at a family wedding trying to copy what he was doing. So um, maybe it was destiny. But um, I became a professional photographer in 1986. Um, we were short of money and uh, I applied for a, a job with a company called National Weddings that no longer with us, but they were the, the buckets shop, if I should say, of the, the wedding industry at the time. And I used to go out selling for them before I photographed for them. Hmm. And then I, I asked to be uh, taught wedding photography. And I was told to go and buy a medium format camera <laughs> and a light meter and a Metz flash gun and go and shoot 10 rolls of film. <laughs> and uh, 10 rolls of film is quite a lot when you're not a professional photographer to, to go and photograph. And uh, I did that, took them back uh, for the critique to see if I was good enough. And he looked at them and he just sort of said, yep, yeah, they're fine. And I just thought you could have spent a bit more time critiquing me because I didn't really get anything <laughs> from it. But true to his word, they, they started teaching me uh, wedding photography uh, that year. And uh, I went out four times with one of their guys. And the fifth week, 
I got a phone call just saying, Jim's sick this week. You're doing it. So that was no the, pressure, uh, right? No, no pressure. And uh, it was great fun. In fact, I actually photographed one of her sister's wedding a couple of years later. So I obviously did an okay job. Um, but um, that was my introduction into, into professional photography. And six months later, I left them and I decided to set up by myself. Um, I was made redundant from my sales job in electronics. And that was kind of the push I needed. And from that point onwards, you know, end of 1986, I've been full-time professional ever since. And I'm probably unemployable in the real world. I just couldn't do a real job. Um, You know, I I love the fact that I can earn a great living from photography and I can do what I want and uh, I can go and uh, see friends. I can go and photograph an event if I want to. Um, and it's given me a great lifestyle, one that I'll never be rich, but one that I'll be rich in time and, and everything else. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of my journey. There's lots of little stories in there I could tell you, but, um, that happen at national weddings, but, uh, we'll leave that for another day, Bob. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so how does street photography, photography fit into this? So about sort of 15 years after I became a professional, um, I made some contacts with Nikon because I was chairing a a group called the London Portrait Group and I wanted them as a sponsor. And once I'd established a contact uh, with Nikon, um, I was getting quite close to them and I did a few talks with them and I used to lend gear off off them and uh, I just got a nice sort of rapport with them. And and then I was asked by the marketing, marketing director of Nikon to photograph her wedding. Um, which was probably the most pressure I've ever felt photographing a, um, a job professionally. Because, you know, not only was um, this was a company that I loved using their product, but everyone there was a photographer or thought they were a photographer. Uh, none of them were professional, but they all knew about cameras. Um, so all these things was, was quite a, an interesting sort of scenario. But I photographed Jenny's wedding. All went well. And the next year, Jenny made a phone call to me and she said, "Um, Mark, I'd like to see you um, with one of my other directors. Can we have a meeting, please? And um, we had the meeting. And uh, during the meeting, she said, well, we've brought you up here because we're we're running a new program. We'd like you to be one of our ambassadors moving forward. Wow. That's Um, quite an honor. Yeah, absolute honor. Um, and she said, you know, this is what we'd like to do. And this is what you'll get. What do you think about it? She goes, do you want to, and I says, let me think about it for two seconds. I said, (laughs) when do we start? And, and so that relationship lasted with Nikon, uh, about five years. They don't run the ambassador program like they do anymore. So I'm no longer an ambassador of, of, of Nikon, but, um, one of the benefits of becoming an ambassador is that they they like you to do training um, for mm-hmm. the people that buy Nikon cameras. And the, the guy that runs Nikon training, uh, Neil, was a wedding photographer. So he said, look, you'll have to find something else, Mark, he said, because we don't need a wedding photographer trainer. Mm-hmm. And he said, why don't you do your street photography? He said, I've seen some of it. I love it. He said, I think there's a real opportunity there. 
And although I'd been doing some street photography locally in London, um, that was the sort of impetus that really took off with Shoot the Street. Um, so we started doing local courses. And then um, I got a call from the Hope Foundation, which is one of the charities in India. And they asked if I wanted to run a course out there. Um, so we run the course with the backing of Nikon. Um, so they got some of their people along and Nikon got some of their people along. And that was the first abroad course I did in Kolkata. Um, and then it just went from there. We were doing two or three Hope courses a year. And then I started bringing other courses in to other parts of India. And I started obviously start meeting other people and uh, it, it expanded quite well. And then Nikon decided to pull out of that because they just said, look, we're not getting anything out of it financially mm -hmm. you know, because Hope were um, the money was going into Nikon and Nikon were then paying me and then Nikon had to pay Hope and sure. you know, they're a business. So they, they were actually losing money on these things by the time they'd, they'd paid everyone out. Mm -hmm. They're acting really as a banker almost. Um, but I spoke to Neil. I said, look, I'm going to carry on doing this. And he said, yep, no problem at all. Um, and that's where we are today. You know, Shoot the Street has, has continued to where it is now. Um, obviously, we didn't do anything during the pandemic, but um, we're back up and running courses with with Shoot the Street, and we've just launched one to Cuba, New York, plus a few in the in the UK. Yeah. So you you took my next question away from me. You teach lots <laughs> <Sorry>. of workshops, <laughs> and they look really good. Thank you. And I think you even feature the work from some of your attendees on your website too right yes we do it's it's um it's really i mean it's i think it's really important to show the work from you know people that mm -hmm. are, they weren't professional photographers and yet they've had tuition from a professional photographer and, and the techniques and and uh, ways we work and it's the other thing i love is that there's a there's a huge um return uh, on the courses so Quite a lot of people have been on a second or a third course and you it's really nice to see the progression of these photographers and um in fact the last one went to varanasi a couple of the, of the images one photographer took i'm just thinking wow i wish i had that in my portfolio <laughs> there's one where with a an indian um uh like a baba uh, a religious man and uh there was all these seagulls and they just they just branched beautifully in an arc around his head and okay mm -hmm. he got lucky to get to get that how it was but he was pointing the camera in the right way and he knew what he was looking for mm -hmm. and he was trying to get that and you know it's that adage you know the harder you work the luckier you get and you know that I, I was extremely pleased with the shot i was just a little bit jealous that it wasn't mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i know the feeling uh, yeah we try and we try and the courses um we don't run a, a lot of them but what we do is we're very focused on it and they're, they're quite hard work they're quite exhausting for, from my own point of view because we're with people from seven o'clock in the morning for breakfast and we're with them for dinner and for drinks in the evening so we're with every, every uh person who's on the course 
probably 10 hours or more per day. And uh, we split everyone up. So at one point, someone, everyone will be with me um, and you'll probably be with me at least once a day, maybe once every other day. But you'll also be mixed up with everyone else. So you, you know, there's, there are professionals come on the course and there's amateurs come on the course. So everyone gets mixed up with everyone and you see everyone's different shooting style, which benefits everyone because we're all picking up and learning lessons. Wow. So when you say someone who attends a workshop, they might be with you a little bit every day. I mean, what do you do when you're with them? Do you follow them around or you just happen to be in the same area shooting and you're there, you know, available um, for questions? We literally, so, so the work workshops are small um, and they're always uh, an odd number. So um, five or seven is, is the typical number we take. And so I'm the eighth person. Mm-hmm. So we split it up into four groups of two and um, we'll all split up. And then two hours later, we'll meet back again for, for mm-hmm. a company or whatever. Um, and then we'll re go out and we'll mix the groups up again. Um, and then when I'm out with people, we're, we're just talking about different techniques and I may see a shot and I'll just say, you know, look at that over there and, you know, why don't we go in and shoot that? And, um, I generally let the person shoot it first and then I'll say, well, why don't we try this technique or why don't we do this? So it's, it's really hands-on, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, I know a lot of courses out there say, go on out, go and do this and we'll meet you back at the end of the day. And we'll, I'm actually with them every step of the way. Um, and then in the evening we come back, they're encouraged to download their images, pick maybe 10 images each. And then I'll critique those images in a group critique. So, um, you know, I've got a laptop with, you know, 50, 60 images on, and I'll go through them and I'll critique them um, dependent upon the level of the photographer. You know, if there's a professional (laughs) on the course, I might go a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. Um, And if there's an outright beginner on there, we'll go quite easy because. Okay. I was wondering about that. Yeah. you, You know, you'd expect a, I mean, we had a guy in the course um, recently, uh, and he was—he's uh, a professional photographer, but he owns a, a portrait studio, mm. and um, it was great for the other people to go out with him because they learn about doing street portraits. But he wasn't up to speed on just, if you like, general street photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I could go quite hard on him because I know he understands <laughs> light composition, moment, all those sorts of things. Um, and it, it works really well. And cause the other people, they see that and they think, well, okay, he's getting a hard time, but what, <laughs> what Mark says is absolutely right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't mind taking criticism back from people and they, they might have a different view, but generally if I'm criticizing or critiquing their photograph or saying this could be better, there's a valid reason for it. There might be something growing out of their head or the background <laughs> might not quite right but i'll point it out to them and say look what about that there and what about there there so they're they're hard but they're fair and that's good the the worst way to critique someone is just to say that's great i love that because you get nothing from it yeah you only get something from it when someone says you why didn't you do that or you could have done this or 
maybe next time do this because of this and gives a valid reason for it. Do you ever sit with any any of them and look at all the photos from a shoot and, and or from an afternoon or whatever? Yes. I mean, and, I generally – sorry. I, I no, well, I get what I meant is you, you, you look at the ones they didn't show you. Yeah. Um, I, I do mean, see – You can't do that, you know, throughout the entire workshop. But Yeah. Generally, once once with each person during the week, I'll go through and just say, can I see everything from today? Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in that because, again, it's very easy – to get one great shot and everyone praise you for it. And yeah. you know, it's the award winning shot, but you know, being professional or being, being good is about consistency mm-hmm. uh, and, and getting the results regularly. And the, the best way to see it, I mean, I say the same with wedding photography, you know, if you want to see a good wedding photographer, go and ask to see the whole wedding. Yeah. Ask to go and see the outtakes because you know, it's really easy to produce a good portfolio if you've got a good-looking couple in a great venue. <laughs> the same on the street if you've got a lovely, you know, a great place. And, you know, India is a little bit more forgiving for street photography. There's a lot more things going on there. Um, so I just say some, you know, one day to each of the people, you know, can I just see the whole, the whole um, you know, everything you shot today? And also you you can quite often then see the mistakes people are making mm-hmm. they might be exposing everything or they might be you know focusing in the wrong area or they just might be making you know very simple error that's very easily fixable but by seeing 20 images um you can identify that and also the other thing it allows you to do is see how they work a scene so you know quite often someone will take one picture and then walk off whereas you could say, you know, you could have stayed there a bit longer and, and done some from this angle and maybe above and worked that scene a little bit more because you've got a picture taken over, two pictures taken over three or four minutes. Um, so there's all those little things you can, can advise, but you can only see that if you if you see a whole, if you like, you know, a whole shoot from, from a particular uh, place where they are. Yeah, yeah. Cause I, I find that really helpful. I did that with a photographer I know, Craig Lytton. And we just happened to be, we were doing a Zoom call on something else. And uh, he said, let me see some of those photos from Cuba. And we're going through these photos from Havana, ones that I didn't even think about. I, you know, probably would have deleted them. And he stopped me, he goes, hey, <laughs> tell me about this one. And I said, oh, I just, I blew that <laughs> one off. He goes, no, no, no. <laughs> he was a photojournalist and, commercial mm-hmm. photographer and he goes no you need to keep that one because of this or this and this mm-hmm. so i go damn i never even thought about that i mean i i actually learned that skill um I've, i attended a photography course about 12 years ago called foundation um workshop and uh i was really lucky you know two of my uh, tutors were pulitzer prize winners mm-hmm. uh, one of them was a, a lady called deanne fitzmorris and um boy was she hard on me um and the first day of the course um we were sent out to photograph a carnival uh, i think it's like a in, in the us that's the equivalent to a fun fair in the uk and we were told to come back with uh five shots one of one scene setting two portraits and two detail shots as if we were shooting for a for a newspaper 
Um, and then we, our images were brought back and we were critiqued live in front of everyone else. And <laughs> there were five in my group and there were five groups. So there are 25 photographers and Deanne absolutely ripped into me. I mean, <laughs> really, really ripped into me. She mean, every oh, other what? word, you know, every <laughs> other word she was using the F word and yeah, this is you not good. Say it. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's okay. But yeah, you don't know where you are and you're too comfortable, you know, and you're, you're scared as a photographer and, you know, I, you, you've got a nice little business back home and you're, you're just in your comfort zone. You, you need to get out of it. And literally, I, I, I felt like quitting the course that evening. It, you know, it was brutal, really brutal. Um, but it was the best thing that, that I ever had said to me, really. And hmm. um, really, I think she probably taught me how to take a layered picture properly. Hmm. Uh, and by the end of the week, you know, I'd learned so many different things. In fact, I think one of the things I think we, we mentioned it briefly when we were just chatting last week was when I was out on the day and she come out and spent some time with me. And she said, what lenses have you got? And I said, I've got a 35, a 28, a 50 and 105. Oh, sorry. I didn't not 20, a 20 millimeter I had. And she said, right, give me, your, give me your lenses. She goes, all you're working with today is the 20 mil and the 105 mil. <laughs> and, you know, she made me get in close. She made me confront things because the 105 mil lens was useless. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, so I had to get close to people and I had to get in front of them. Um, That's pretty wide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it, I was indoors with a few of the the things we were we were shooting, so I was kind of lucky. But I still had to get in close. <laughs> I've yeah. never done that to anyone on my course. <laughs> See? And we were talking bef before the show about your Q two. You say that one's too wide. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm I'm most comfortable with a thirty five mil these days. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to take a quick break to thank the Street Photography Magazine subscribers for your support. We couldn't do this without you. You may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. You know, you said something else, too, that, that I thought was very interesting. I, I, I hope you share it here. You talk about the nose. Yeah. Uh, What's that all about? And that was, again... Um, on the same course. Oh, okay. Um, same course. And, uh, I think it's one of the most relevant things that, and I, I use it on my courses all the time. Um, and the reason I say, I want to see the nose is because you see so much street photography on social media of people taking pictures of people's backs or from the side. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that says to me, you know, like Deanne said to me is you're afraid you're scared to go and confront the picture because the picture really is 
when you're facing someone you know mm-hmm. it's, it's so easy to go and take the picture of someone's back but boy you've got to have some balls if you like to go around the front and take someone's face um but that's the difference between a good street photograph and an average one i mean okay there are occasions when you can take the backs of people and you know it, it's in context but generally speaking i say you know, even this is a group of four or five people i want to see the nose so if, even if it's someone on the periphery of the of the photograph you know i call the bookends holding the people the photograph in i would still say i want to see the nose it might just be like a fraction of smidgen of it mm-hmm. but it would mean you've got two sides and then you've got the people in front of you where you're actually seeing the whole face i don't want to see the backs of four people or five people so that's where that's where the saying comes in. You know, I want to see the nose, please. <laughs> yeah, what I mean, it's so basic, but it makes total sense. So, so you attended that workshop. She beat you up pretty good. So since then, I mean, how how is your own personal style or abilities? How how have they evolved since then? Um. I mean, it's constantly evolving. I'm constantly yeah. learning. I, I, you know, even go on courses myself still because, you know, or go out with other street photographers because there's always something you, you can learn. Um, but I would say predominantly, you know, my style is for street photography, black and white, although in India, most of my stuff was color. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just love black and white for street. My style is, I mean, the more, I like complex images um, that have got multi layers in it. And the more layers I've got in there, the better it seems, so to speak. Um, But I was actually talking to a photographer recently, you know, I was trying to put a little book together and he said to me, you got too many complex images here. Oh, yeah, I could, I could see somebody say, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he said you need some simple images in there mm-hmm. of just almost just as this like I don't know, just a you know, if it's in India, maybe and you you you're somewhere with the chai tea, just a picture of the cup and the and the, of the if you like the kettle, but in context of where it is, because when we're looking through images, um, if you've got complex image after complex image or multi layered images after multi layer we we can't cope with it mm-hmm. our brains yeah. can't cope with it we just True. need a respite so every every couple of pages or every other page you know you just put that simple image in and it's this kind of like that little break um yeah. so that's like music that's same thing with music yeah i guess it is i'm i mean i love listening to music but i i don't have a clue how to write it at all so <laughs> <laughs> sorry and i i interrupted you too no that's fine yeah, so so you teach a lot of workshops. I mean, what what are like the three top mistakes you see people make uh, when they come to one of your one of your trainings? I think um, the first one, and I think it's also the most important thing in street photography. In fact, any photography really is choose your background. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people don't choose their background. They almost just go off wandering and and they think people are lucky because they've got this shot, whereas 
actually it's been quite well planned and rehearsed. Mm-hmm. And once you find that background, I think the next mistake is to, to not stay there. <laughs> uh, a lot of photographers, um, even when they found a you know good background, they'll take a couple of pictures and they they've got something that they like. They've looked on the back of the screen, and then they'll wander off. And yet, this back this great backdrop could be something could happen there again and again and again. I'm guilty uh, of that. Yeah, and, FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> in fact, there's a location. You know, is normally on most of my uh, street workshops. I have one, two locations. I know that if I took you there, you're going to struggle, but you're not going to know you're going to struggle. And one of the the classics is 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 a is a, one of the markets we go to, and you take people in there, and everyone goes like, "Wow, there's so much going on here. It's like amazing. Oh, there's so many op-. and yet you meet an hour later, and everyone said, "God, it's so hard. I haven't got anything." <laughs> And then you just say, actually, there's only three locations in here that you're going to get good photographs. Mm-hmm. And it's here, here, and here because the background is, is you Simple. know, it lends itself. It's solid. It's colorful. Or there's an interest there. Mm-hmm. Said, you need to go to those places and stay there and then wait. And I said, you might be there 20 minutes or half an hour. And I think a lot of people struggle with staying somewhere so long and you know you don't necessarily need to sort of stand in the spot the whole time you can sort of just do little figures of eight and walk around um but i'm not sure if i mentioned this to you there was a it really drilled it home to me on one of my courses and you know a guy turned up to my street photography course um in a wheelchair and it might might literally my my mouth dropped because I just thought this is going to be so challenging, not for mm-hmm. me personally, but for everyone else in the group to, so that we go around cohesively. And uh, Alan, his name was, and bless him, he's not with us anymore. But um, mm. Alan just said, look, uh, I can get out. I've got sticks. He said, but just take me to where you're going to go. And he said, leave me there. He said, you can wander off. He says, I'm not bothered about going on the whole course. He said, but just pick me up at, you know, at the end of the day or at lunchtime. And I said, are you sure? And he said, yeah. And at the end of the week, we did a little, you know, competition, if you like, because they wanted to understand how professionals judge photographs. And we got, um, I got every person to give me 10 images. Uh, there were seven people. So that's 70, 70 images I had in front of me. And I said, the only rule is we can't vote on our own picture, but we're going to just knock out one or two pictures each round and we're going to get down to our best 10. And when we did that, Alan had seven of them. (laughs) Seven of the best 10 out of 70. And it was because he just merged into the background eventually. He was there. He was part of this scene. And he'd chosen this background quite carefully. He said, I like that. I'll stay there. And that was it. He stayed there for probably three hours. He wow. didn't literally move. And he, he chose his, it's almost like you're having a studio as, as, a, as a portrait photographer. You know, you, you, you get someone come in and you, know, you get a mother coming in with a screaming baby and you think, well, you do the job. And 
okay, we got some not bad pictures, but and she's happy with them, which is the most important thing. And then, you know, your sixth or seventh client comes in, it's this amazing looking couple and they really want photography and they do everything you ask them for. And you're, you're just thinking, wow, this is amazing. And it's kind of the same on the street. You know, you choose this location and you just got to wait for the right person to come in. The other 10 people for might not be the right person. Uh-huh. But just wait there for that right. But when that right person, you know, kill it, just like just literally <laughs> shoot the hell out of it and different angles and whatever, because then it's gone. And if you just taken one and then you'd walked off, you'd probably spend another hour walking around looking for something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did it, I, I assume he shot from a little lower perspective being sitting, sitting in a chair the whole time. Did that. He, he actually, I mean, a- he went out on his sticks. Um, oh, Okay. So he was at the same sort of height as us, but okay. he would sort of, you know, balance each sort of elbow on the stick and, and hold his cap. So he was a little bit lower, mm-hmm. um, but not significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So um, what's the third? Oh, sorry. That's <laughs> the two, so you got the... <laughs> You're trying to catch me I'm not going to let you I'm not going to let you out of it, no. <laughs> so the, the most, I think, right, I think we kind of have mentioned it in there because this, this, the, most, the other most important thing in street photography, and it's one that trumps everything, and that's moment. Mm. Moment trumps everything in street photography. You could be a little bit out of focus mm-hmm. or a little bit blurry, but if you've got a magical moment, it trumps everything literally does. I mean, if you look at some of Cartier Bresson's pictures, they're soft um, and they probably wouldn't get looked at so much today, but he got the moment, the decisive moment. And I think, you know, working the scene till you get that decisive moment is, is something that a lot of people don't do. They take a picture, they look at the back, they kind of congratulate themselves. And while they're doing that, Something a better like- moment has, has occurred. So I'm I'm ducking out on that one. I think I've given you three there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, those are yeah those those are three really good ones. That's funny. I we just had a photographer friend I know been in the magazine, and he moved to our area. We live in a really beautiful part of the country. He moved here, and we've been going out shooting. And he's always yelling at me, "Stay, stay where you are." Because I'm, I go all over the place. He goes, "Stop! We're staying here." <laughs> it's it literally you need someone is, to tell you that. <laughs> it's almost like the you know the the best piece of advice you can you can give someone who's you know is is not a pro. You know, find somewhere with a great background and that's got good light. And if it hasn't got good light, you know, walk away from it because you're never going to get a great photograph. But make a note of that background and come back when the light is good there. Mm-hmm. Just wait and something will happen. You know, if you're in an area where there are people, something will happen. And after a while, you'll just, you'll just merge into the background. And be ready. Do, do be you typically ready. shoot zoom, zone focus or are you using a autofocus all the time or just depends? 
I pretty much use um, autofocus all the time. Mm. Um, I mean, I shoot on the the Sony A9. Yeah. Uh, the um, we were discussing before. You know, it's it's a camera with no soul, but it's it's a machine, a computer. Yeah. Um, and it's extremely efficient at w- what it does. Um, but um, I use I use zone focusing on the street. Um, because I'm just I'm looking at the bigger picture most of the time, and, and the Sony A9 on the zone focusing, you hit 99% of the time. Yeah, you just it just does it. Um, so that that's that's kind of how I set the camera up. I mean, the other things on the camera, um, it's really interesting. We're talking about this because I I did a YouTube um, video today for our channel, huh. and. It's literally on my computer. We're gonna, I'm hopefully gonna post it later on tonight, or if not tomorrow morning. But we were talking about how we set our cameras up. Flavio was talking about his camera, and I was talking about mine, and mm-hmm. how we set it up. And it's, there are there's differences, but there are also similarities. But uh, the other things I set up on there, number one is it's back button focus. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think if it's the sort of thing that once you try, you would never go back from. Yeah. Um, but to start with, you think it's really weird having another button that you're focusing on and not taking the picture. It's great because it lets you focus and recompose. Um, so that's set up. It means you set the camera on AFC, so continuous focusing. Um, really? Oh. Yeah, that's what I set it on, yeah, AFC. And I've constantly got my figure, sorry, my finger on the uh, on the AF on button on the back of the camera. Mm-hmm. constantly refocusing so if someone's walking towards me it's constantly refocusing um so i mean if, if they're walking sideways, i'd obviously just focus it and wouldn't take it again but yeah um, if someone's yeah, going to be in the same plane anyway yeah exactly um and then auto iso i set up um because you know i want it to be fast and and ready because as we just said earlier, moment is trumps everything. Um, auto ISO, I set it from a hundred to, um, I set it to 4,000 cause I generally find that's enough. Um, my, my friend who shoots me sets is to 6,400. It's just another stop. Um, and then I shoot, and then I set aperture priority. Hmm. And, um, generally I'm shooting at, um, you know, apertures, somewhere between five, six and F11. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, again, you know, I want everything to be sharp, particularly with layered images. You know, okay. There are times when, you know, a lovely, there's, there's like some bokeh. It looks great, but you know, I'm not generally looking for that. In fact, the lens I have is I've got a little 2.8 Zeiss lens on my Sony. So, you know, you can't really create good bokeh with it anyway um no my idea is it's a small camera that you know is 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 compact and it doesn't weigh me down the rest of the day yeah that's important that and a good pair of walking shoes absolutely absolutely good pair of walking shoes or sandals if you're out in in a hot weather um and uh a light camera i mean we've had people come on the courses with you know, two DSLRs and, and a, a 2470 and a 70 to 200. Mm. And, you know, 
I remember saying to this guy, you know, it's, it's, it's too much. You don't need all that. You, you look like a photographer. Yeah. Trained killer. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. you attract attention. Um, and uh, he said, well, how do you get it? You know, and we had these conversations. And he's, he's a guy from America. He's, he's actually a good friend of mine now. And he's coming over to see me. Yeah, um, Americans watch, never yeah. listen. Yeah, but um, he's changed his mind that he's he's he, <laughs> he bought a, a prime lens when he got back, and he just said, "I learned so much." And and uh, God, he said, "My back hurt every day carrying those things around for eight or nine hours." Yeah, but yeah, um, we've all I been through thought, that. I think. Sorry, I said we've all been through that. I think. Oh yeah, at least, yeah. At least the amateurs. I think if you if you go back to you know uh, like when you, know, you and I started, you know, you, Zooms weren't really around then. And to start with, good. You, you, oh yeah, were lousy. They were the, the glass was poor on it. And when you bought a camera, it come with a fifty millimeter lens. Yeah, and you know if you look back at the shots you took then, they're probably really good because you made it work. You know, you you had to because you had no other option and it's the same if you buy a 35 mil lens or any prime lens for your your camera and if you just use that prime lens you get to know inside out what it can do and there are places where you won't get the shot but you'll make a shot of something you wouldn't have got rather than spending half your time sort of zooming in and out you just walk forward a pace and or walk back a pace and yeah it's a lot quicker <laughs> Yeah, it's like, well, before we started, you were asking me about the Fuji X100. I've been using yes. those since they came out. Mm. And that's probably 80% of the photos that I show anybody were taken with that camera. Mm. 35 millimeter equivalent. And and I made it work. And like like you said, if, if, if I can't, then I'll go get something else. Mm. That's all I take when I travel. Well, it's so small, isn't it? And you, you just, yeah. you, you could, put, I mean, it's, it's, you need a big pocket, but you can put it in your pocket, sort of thing, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. And then, I, you know, so I have, I have the, uh, the Leica monochrome. I've got a 35 on it. It's the same. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think same thing. The, the, the only difference is because, um, one of my best friends is, is shoots with a Leica and, um, it's a different shooting experience, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. It takes uh, some getting used to. Yeah. And nothing wrong with it. You, you, you use what you want to on the street, but as long as I think the most important thing is that you know your camera. And I think mm -hmm. that's another big differentiation between a, a professional and a, an amateur is that because we're using the gear all the time, we don't think about the gear. Yeah. It's, Quite often, people on the course say, "What settings are you using?" And it's like, "Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> what, what's right? That, that I've just put it on this. I haven't even thought about it because you don't think about it; you just do it." Yeah. Um, uh, because it, to me, if it's f eight or f eleven, doesn't really matter as long as I get that moment. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. Um, it's like any any profession of anything. When you watch someone who's who's good, it seems effortless because everything is second nature and they're just doing it. And um, 
you know that's that's another i think you know tip is just practice with your camera and 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 make it feel so you just go to the settings and you just go to the menu and you know where things are without thinking about it yep yep and the sony i mean you you almost have to go to computer school to figure out where the settings are right <laughs> you certainly do to start with without a doubt and um, yeah. you know you can like all cameras have got a you know my favorites menu or whatever yeah um, sony has that and yeah i've got my all the things i the sort of six or seven things i need to change are in that menu and that's all i ever look at i yeah. don't go into the deep menus at all yeah fuji's the same way i'm sure yeah yeah same way so okay you were talking about the moment so you get that moment what if you get the moment and the background is just total crap you know there's a pole coming out of somebody's head or or there's a half of a head face right right behind them and, and you, you can't go back and get it again you well you, you haven't got a photograph effectively i mean yeah I, you know, if if there's some minor imperfections with it, you know, if if you've got someone out the side and you can do a small crop and that's it, I don't have an issue with that. Yeah. Um, but if you've got heads growing out of heads and <laughs> you know, it's it's you know, it's a big no no really. And you do yeah. see that, and people say, "Well, I couldn't get it because of this," or "That's where it was," and you know, you can't get them all. Yeah, and of course. The head grown out of the head, you can't see the nose, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Just the forehead. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got a question for you here. That has nothing it. to do with street photography. I'm going to ask you anyway. Because I'm getting worried you're now. Pro- huh? No, <laughs> don't get worried. You're a professional. <laughs> I'm not. But anyway, no, we had a good friend, good neighbor. Just turned turn 65. She's a friend of my wife's. She wanted to give her a present. I said, well, you know what? I'll be happy to do um, environmental portrait. She and her husband in their house. Got a beautiful home, you know, fixed up real nice. Maybe she'll like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, get a really nice print done. So um, she goes, okay, we'll do that. Well, that time is coming. And uh, a matter of fact, after we're done, I have to go over to her place. I just want to scout out the light this time of day because this is the time of day we're going to do it. And, um, but any, you got two top tips for environmental portraits? <laughs> I'm sure you've done a ton of them. Yeah, I, I think the first thing I don't like, I try and steer away from doing friends' pictures because, <laughs> um, yeah, they're I'm friends. Already, yeah. yeah, you're committed. So, um i think i think you know the the tips is 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 the old one again is like choose the background to start with look for the light mm-hmm. uh, and choose the background um and you know, a lot of people say oh well i love that bridge over there or i love this over here and sometimes you, know, you just have to say you know we can take it there but it's not going to be a great photograph because the light's not right yeah and photography is about light so i'd certainly um I'd, I'd certainly sort of look for the right background. And then I think as a portrait photographer and, and, you know, I've done, I've done, I mean, I chaired London portrait group. for, So I've done a lot of portraits. I think the most uh, important thing is communicate with your subject. 
because there's nothing worse than someone standing in front of you with a black box in front of their eye and uh, just taking pictures and not saying anything. It's actually it's oh, yeah. quite intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the best thing to do is you obviously, you obviously know these people, but if you don't know them is just, just sit with them for a few minutes and just engage with them and just, just ask them, you know, ask them, you know, what's your story? You know, what do you do? What's your hobbies? Just, just talk to them and, you know, get people talking and people just open up. And when they open up, they're more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they're more relaxed, they photograph better. And Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, don't, I mean, I, I almost tell people not to smile in, in these types. You know, you get people saying, especially if you're doing kids, you know, you get the mum saying, you know, don't forget to smile, stand straight. And it's yeah. like, no, you don't, he doesn't stand like that normally or, you know, you don't stand like that normally, but be real. when someone holds a camera up, you end up stand, standing like a soldier. <laughs> um, so just, just, just chat to them and, you know, have a beer with them or a cup of tea with them or coffee or whatever. And, and, you know, select the background and, and then just, you know, shoot lots, just get them to communicate with each other. Is it a couple you're photographing? Yep. I mean, you know, if if they're quite close, just say, "Hold her how you hold her," because he'll have a unique way, or they'll have a unique way of they hold hands together, and Mm -hmm. uh, or they communicate, or he puts his arm round her, and you know, if you just say, "Just hold her how you hold her," and put your arm round her, and you know, just look at each other, look at me, and just keep keep that communication going, and, and. I think when you communicate with um, a subject, it actually gives them confidence that you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you don't say anything, it's it's almost like you know if we were doing this interview now and there was a this pregnant pause for thirty seconds, everyone think or ten seconds, everything what's going on? Because it's the worst thing ever. You know, you just yeah, you need that communication to to keep going. Um, so yeah, background can communication. Yeah. Don't futz around with the settings. Yep. Know your settings, get it all set yep. up and uh try try that. Try it. Just say hold her how you hold her. Yeah. I like that one. And he, he'll probably say, I've never hold I never normally hold her like this, or you know, you know, <laughs> you'll just say, I'll just go back, well, it's your lucky night tonight, and I you know, just throw little <laughs> things in like that. And, you know, you'll be amazed how it, they they have a little chuckle and all that, but they kind of laugh and then you've got them on side yeah yeah you can be quite cheeky as a photographer you know you've got this camera and you, if you get the measure of someone you it's surprising what you can say mm-hmm. and get away with that you couldn't get away with in a normal scenario yeah yeah uh, i've noticed that yeah i hope it I helps let me know <laughs> oh well maybe i'll maybe i'll send you copies Oh, you know what? I do have another one, actually. Uh, this is one of those things that at the beginning I said we got to save this for 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 the uh, the podcast. No, I uh, a few weeks ago I was I was on vacation down in South Carolina, and a friend of mine who I went to high school with I haven't seen in thirty some years. He was going to be there. We got together. Well, and like I always do, I I took his photo, and didn't think much of it and then I, I brought it home and i looked at it and i go wow he had the best expression and 
I go, I go, this is a really nice portrait. But he didn't look he didn't look great, you know. He's getting older. He had this crappy old t-shirt on with his phone hanging out of the pocket. You know, it's not a flattering photo by any means, but I think it's a really nice portrait. But and I just wondered, should I share it with him? You know, Absolutely. he may look at it and go, look at that old t-shirt and my phone in the pocket. But this expression he had was like, was amazing. But I think you've probably caught him how he is. I did. Yes, I did. Because, you know, if you said to him, I'm going to take your picture, and you know, he might have put something special on or done himself up a little bit. because. Yeah. But that's not him. You know, this cigarette's yeah. out of the top pocket and this old T-shirt and, you know, the character face he's got, that's him. Yeah. It's, it's often you you find um, – the pe the people that will, if you like, verify it with it'll be the people around him or close to him because if he shows it to them, yeah, they'll go, "Wow, that's you." You know that is that's just you. He's yeah, you know, Bob has just caught you perfect there. Um, and you know, isn't that how we would all like love our photograph to be taken? You know how we see ourselves and just how the other other people in the world see us just how we are not you know this fixed pose you know in something that we don't wear and we feel uncomfortable in yeah and um so i would definitely share it with him um i mean if he if he absolutely says he doesn't like it then you know he doesn't like it there's yeah, whatever a, yeah. you know I, I i just i thought it was a lovely character portrait and it really shows you off um i'm sure he'll love it I'm sure you'll love it. I want to see the picture now, you know, Bob. Okay. You may hate it, but all right, I'll send it to you. Thank you. I'm the only person who's seen it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I had my little Fuji with me and I just picked it up. I went over to the railing and I just picked it up, took two, three shots and that was it. And I think also if you, if you say to most people, can I take your picture? They say I don't like having my picture taken. I prefer natural ones, and it sounds like you caught something a portrait, yeah. but a very natural portrait here of someone. So, yeah, I think yeah, absolutely show it to him. Okay, thank you. I may just I may get it printed and just send it to him. I think, and again, I think that's a lovely uh, gesture to people. I often do that. You know, I I, I was in um, Covent Garden, which is an area of London, yeah. a few weeks ago. And I took a portrait of this person, a uh, real character face this guy had. And um, you know, to start with, I, I actually went up and said, can I take your picture, please? I had a Hasselblad with me and <laughs> one roll of film. So, you know, I had 12 pictures. And he, he sort of, he said, oh, he said, everyone asked to take my picture and all that. And I said, oh, why is that? I said, what do you do? And I just put the camera down, just hung it by my side. And we were chatting for 10 minutes or more. And um, I said, uh, thanks. I said, it's been great talking to you. He said, do you want to take that picture? <laughs> and and I said, yeah, I said, I'll just take one. I says, I'll tell you what. I says, I'll bring it back to you. I says, he said, no, you don't need to do that. He said, I've had loads. I said, no, I will. And I'll get it printed um, on a nice bit of you know, heavy like, barata mm -hmm. paper. And I'll take it to him. Just, just probably a six by six print or. Yeah. An eight by eight print, nothing big, and um, 
yeah, I think it's, you know, it's like a little gift to him. And, you know, he might, he might just, I don't know what he'll do with it. He might just put it in his bag and take it home and never look at it again. But I, I, I think he'll be very proud of it because I look at it and I know that's him. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, same, some similar thing happened to me. I, I was out with my camera and had my daughter's dog with me. And I was walking through this parking lot and this guy just, just started talking to me out of nowhere. I live in Virginia, very friendly, <laughs> friendly place. And this guy's talking to me. He's telling me about his boots and his life. And then I, and I said, well, I, I take a photo of you. So I took a few photos of him. And uh, I said, can I send these to you? Turns out he lived, or he's, we have this center for homeless people. And uh, apparently the guy was homeless. I didn't know that. And he says, send it to me there. That's where I get my mail. So uh, I went home, looked at him, and hey, these, some of, you know, a couple of these are really nice. I picked one out and had it printed and sent to him. I haven't seen him since, but hope to run into him again. I, I, th- I think, um, you know, if, if you want to engage in street portraits and do this sort of thing or, you know, portraits for, for a documentary, the most important thing is to engage with the person. Absolutely. Uh, and, I, and I think most people, if if you approach them in a friendly manner um, and you're not aggressive and you know, you're open, they'll, they'll tell you their story. You know, people like telling you. Mm-hmm what they've done or about themselves. If, if you ask the right question, ask a leading or open question and, you know, just like, what's your, I mean, I often say to people like, what's your story? What do you do? Or where, where do you live? And, and that they'll tell you. Whereas if you just went up straight to them or just tried to take their photograph mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, there would be almost sort of hostility straight away. I think, you know, if you, if you try to do it with a long lens and, um, yeah, I think if you engage with people, um, in fact, one of the things I don't do it on every course, we've done it on a couple of courses where people have asked to do, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to approach strangers. And one of the things, um, I said to, to this little group was, right, I'm going to take you outside your comfort zone, but I think you'll be surprised how little rejection you'll get. I said, I want you to go up to people that you you like, you think, I like that face, or I would love to photograph that face. They've got something interesting. I said, compliment them on it. You talk to them, engage them, and just say, can I take your photograph, please? And I said, only stop when you've got 10 people that have said no. And at the end of the day, not one person had got to 10. That's an interesting exercise. Mm. I like that's a that's a good challenge for yourself at any time. Yep, you're bored. And it, it just, and, yep, it just shows you that you know it, it's actually ourselves that are afraid. Oh yeah. Whereas the other people, you know, if you actually engage with them, you are of course you're going to get some people that say no, I hate my photograph or I haven't got time. Of course you're going to get that. Mm-hmm. But on average, you'd be surprised if you select people that you think you know he's got a real character face or she looks lovely or she's got a character face i'd love to photograph or she's got something really interesting on just tell them i'd love to, i'm just doing a little project you know I'd, i love what you're wearing or 
you know, you've got a great face. Uh, I'd just love to photograph it. Would you, would you mind? I'm happy to share a copy with you afterwards. Mm-hmm. It'd be some, it's very difficult to say no when someone says that to you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to leave with one more, one more thought, one more story here before we wrap up. Because you reminded me of something else. My, my wife has a friend for many years. Her name's Jean. Very warm, nice person. And uh, she was at a party. She met somebody new, this woman, and she, you know, asked the woman out, you know, about herself. She went on and on for probably an hour talking about herself, didn't say word one to Jean. And then they, you know, they went their separate ways. And then the woman went up to somebody that Jean knew and said, Boy, I like that Jean. She's the greatest conversationalist I ever met. (laughs) She never said, she didn't say boo. But she listened. She sat there and listened and, and uh, I guess, engaged non-verbally. And the woman thought she was a brilliant conversationalist. Amazing. Yeah. Let people tell their stories. They'll love you for it. I think it's amazing if you talk to people, the stories they'll tell you. Um, <laughs> it, it's actually quite shocking sometimes how much people open up and tell you. And yet, if you actually said, ask them a direct question, of what they've just told you at the beginning, they wouldn't have, they said, yeah, I'm not telling you that. And yet yeah. let them flow. And these little things just come out. It's amazing. Yeah. And quite often it's, you know, sometimes you, you're talking to someone and I just say, just, just carry on a second. I'm just going to take a couple of pictures at the moment. Yeah. And you, you get these lovely little moments. Just as long as you don't take one where they've got their mouth open. Or <laughs> yeah. Or they're blinking. I, I was, I always think a good place to go and people watch um, is, you know, coffee shops or, co- you know, little mm-hmm. sort of places like that. And you can see people engaging and, uh, you know, as, as a street photographer, it's a great place to sort of just go and watch people and almost just say to yourself, you know, click, that's when I'd have taken the picture because you've got that moment coming together, this yeah. decisive moment. And um, you'll see people that probably don't even look at each other when they're engaging and talking with each other and you'll see other people that you know they're using their hands and you know they're, they're quite passionate about what they're saying and you think i'd love to photograph that that's that's there's some lovely moments there whether you have a camera or not right yeah sometimes i don't and i'm just there and i just go and i'd go to myself like click <laughs> like that um and yeah it's just like that's when i take a picture doesn't happen very often, you know. If I'm a, if I'm at a coffee shop early, waiting for a friend or something, but you, know, you just just see other people, and you just, I mean, I think if you're a photographer, you're always you're very aware of your surroundings, and mm-hmm. you know, you're aware of what's going on around you, um, or you certainly should be as a street photographer because you know that's there could be you could be something you could be stood there, but literally, I don't know five yards around or five meters away from you there's something amazing happening so you need to be aware mm-hmm. uh, of, of certainly of your surrounding what's going on with you yeah so don't don't walk around with earbuds then you can't hear what's going on no never walk around with your your headphones on um <laughs> you kind of you're listening to music then and you're not you're not photographing yeah i agree well all right mark I guess we better wrap things up here. So I wonder, before we go, can you tell everyone where to learn more about you? Yeah. Firstly, I just want to say 
a huge thanks, Bob. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. Same here. Before talking again, and um, you know, hopefully we can do do some more of these. Um, so people can find me a couple of places. I've got a website um, called Shoot the Street um.co.uk um you can see the courses we do you can just look at the portfolios um or you can engage me there i'm i'm also on facebook um i have a facebook group called shoot the street oh okay uh, yeah you know, we love to see street photographers work there you know we've we've got a community of about a thousand photographers and it's growing it grows sort of 20 to 50 per week um and um you know there, there's some there's all sorts of levels of street photography on there, but myself and Flavio try and comment on most pictures. Um, you know, gives gives a little bit of feedback about you know why we think it's nice. a good photograph. Um, so you know, you, again, would love to see people's work on there on the Facebook group. Just shoot the street. Uh, it's called, um, or you know, you can just come along and. Just, just look at it. Just, just you don't need to post your pictures, although we'd love to see them. But if you, you just want to look at other people's work for inspiration, again, feel free to do that. And then, lastly, we've got the the courses. And um, you know, if anyone would uh, you'd love to come on a course, we'd love to see you there. Um, pick up the phone, and, and you know, I'll talk to you about the courses. You can just book them, but if you want to talk to me and um i'll talk you through what we do and 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 how you know nice. we run the courses so that you know you get the best out of it um yeah we've we effectively we've we've tried to say you know we've got your back we're going to take you to places that you wouldn't normally go to they're going to be off the beaten track and you are going to come away with some amazing pictures and you're going to le- you're going to learn some great new techniques and also you're going to meet some great new people who potentially will be friends in the future and you'll 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 probably hook up with even you see that really nice people hooking up um and in fact we even it's it surprises me we get some people um we've got a couple of people that have been on virtually all our courses but yeah we get a high number of on every course i'd say there's at least two people who've been on a previous course Hmm. um so uh you know, we work hard on them. We give you some good feedback on it. And, uh, but if you just want to connect with me, just, just feel free, P- pick up the phone or send cool. me an email. We will answer it. Um, and, uh, yeah, once again, thank you so much, Bob. Thank you. Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So please take a few moments to write a review in Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track, and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios, found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine. Street Photography Magazine.